All right, I'm just going to talk real loud. Uh, that's your usual volume, so. My, <laughs> so my name is uh, Brad, and this is. Amir Alec. <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, I know, technology. Okay. I'll uh, just hold it. We are uh, we're going to be talking this morning about parenting. Last week we talked about marriage, uh, which was a lot of fun. Uh, parenting, though, I think, at least I always had this beautiful view of what parenting was all about. You know, you even see it in, like, Nissan and Toyota commercials. You know, this, you know, lovely lady delivers this lovely child, and then they're all, like, totally happy at the hospital, and then they put their kid into this nice new Toyota Camry and drive <laughs> to their parents' house, and the kid has already grown to be a three-month-old and all of that. And then, you know, you imagine even, I thought, too, of, like, full house, like, at the end of each episode, some conflict, like this child that was addicted to drugs, but in 22 minutes, uh, they, they begin to not be addicted anymore. And now the, the father and the daughter just hug in this beautiful, wonderful way. And that's what parenting is all about, right? Like, you just get that. Uh, it's almost as entitled uh, to us as getting a house, getting a car, uh, getting to have wonderful vacations, all those things. You get... You know, when you grow up and you get a job, you get this, you know, wonderful spouse, and then you get this wonderful child, and you grow up and you, you know, live happily ever after. Uh, I can remember uh, when Nora was born on October 25th, 2011, so we don't have that much experience parenting, but we have some, uh, seven years of this. Uh, I can remember when she was born, she came out and... uh, she was, you know, pooped and covered in all of these things. And uh, <laughs> it wasn't your poop. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, um, Unnecessary there. But yeah, keep going. That was a technical difficulty also. Uh, and so we thought, I, I remember them cleaning Nora off and doing all the stuff and cutting the umbilical cord and holding this child and just thinking, wow, like what a beautiful, you know, life we get to have. And it, she truly is. Because uh, we thought the nurses were coming home with us. And so we're like, it'll be great. Yeah. And we, Forever. you know, they'll help us. That drive home in our car was terrifying as we thought, oh, what's going to happen to this kid now that we're in charge of it completely? Uh, and what we began to realize is that parenting is not this, like, really beautiful picture uh, of happily ever after, after 22 minutes of conflict. But it actually completely undoes you. Uh, there's not uh, these moments where you think, oh, well, I've got this figured out. I read enough books, listened to enough blogs uh, or read blogs. Uh, now I know how to do it. Uh, what you really find out is that you're being completely unraveled. Uh, all of your selfishness and frustration and anger and desire to control, quickly you realize you cannot make anyone eat or sleep. You know, you can make them sit in a car seat because you're more powerful than them. Uh, you can, for a while, I've heard. Um, Truman hit me on the head the other day with this metal car, and I still have a headache from it, I think. Uh, but we're, you can control all sorts of factors of their life, but you can't make them eat. You can't make them sleep. And then as they begin to talk, uh, you can't make them say kind things to others. Uh, you can't make them uh, be kind towards other. You know, flashback to my head getting hit by a car. Uh, and you find yourself, at least I do many days, just lost uh, and confused and angry 
Uh, and then oftentimes really sad and heartbroken at the fact that a, a little tiny child can already uh, identify with feeling shame and guilt uh, and rage and all of these things that you think they're supposed to grow up into when they're you know, your age, but they're already feeling them uh, today. And so we just kind of want to start with just that reality that, that parenting isn't just hard, but it's also this beautiful blessing. Uh, God says that uh, a children are a heritage of the Lord and that, you know, the, the blessed man gets to have a whole quiver full of them that you get a launch into the world. Uh, that parenting is, in much of the cases, we get to do warfare with our children and, and raise up these beautiful children in the way that they should live and then launch them into the world to somehow do all of the wisdom that we've talked up talked about up until now, right? Like work and rest and play and, you know, pursue marriage and all of these things. We get to do that when we launch them into the world. But I think we we have to also start with just understanding that we're completely needed or or needed, needingly. I don't even know what I'm saying. Uh, We're in complete need. And we have, uh, I think, around parenting uh, in those moments of rage and confusion and anger and sadness uh, just complete uh, pity on our own selves because we feel like we've failed. And often we have failed as parents. Uh, but here's like the incredible good news. Uh, we are all, as we just sang, children of God. That God, out of his incredible mercy and love, has chosen to not only raise us again to life, not only making us citizens of his kingdom and all of these wonderful things, but he's actually done all that is required to adopt us as sons and daughters into his family. And that the picture of parenting uh, is really just a, a reflection of what's true about God. Like, the God is a father is not a metaphor for us to understand, oh, he's kind of like how we are. No, we're kind of like how he is as parents. Uh, we are, we're, we're reflecting to our children the very nature of God, not the other way around. And that for all of us, as we come into this teaching, we might find ourselves regretting the parents that we have. Like, as we share, you might think, wow, I wish my parents hadn't screwed up so much. I wish they would have done this. Or you might feel as well, wow, I've really screwed up. Uh, My children will need so much therapy, which, FYI, they will. Uh, But uh, the incredible, rich, good news is we are undeserving children. Like, there's nothing we've done that would require God to bless us and to love us and give us this rich inheritance, which is salvation and union with him. There's no reason we should receive that, but God being so kind and loving and compassionate and so uh, the good father that we get to all be called children of God. Uh, and so that's, that's kind of the baseline for all of this, that we are deeply loved. And with that too, <clears throat> excuse me, wanting to also acknowledge that um, there's a lot of pain in trying to bear a child there's a lot of, um, we've walked closely with friends who have dealt with infertility for many, many years, um, still dealing with that. And it is, it is one of those things that um, we can start believing God doesn't love us, that he's keeping things from us, he's keeping his blessing from us. Um, and if you are in that place, we would love to encourage you to talk to the Father, because he is the perfect one. Um, 
And we, you know, parents can't, um, we might not necessarily um, empathize with it completely, um, but he does, and he sees your pain. So, um, yeah, I would love, I would love to just take some time right now to pray, and um, Brad will keep talking. Father, you are you are good. Even when you give us good parents, um, and even when you give us really difficult parents, and you um, you are the image of what true love is, the one that fills our souls. And I ask that you will um, show us how um, good of a father you are and how much you love us. I pray and ask that you will meet us in our deepest needs, in our deepest longings and desires. I pray and I ask that you will um, answer our pleas and our requests for children. And I pray that you will answer our pleas and requests for wisdom as we try to raise children. Thank you, Jesus, because you are faithful and you are good, and that is something we can count on. Um, whether we're going through a really sweet season in our life or a rocky, rocky storm. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. And yeah, so in Proverbs, uh, there's several, there's a handful of passages that we want to talk about today uh, of wisdom about how to parent. Uh, Just a little warning as we dive into that, though. Uh, It doesn't tell us about sleep schedules. Uh, it doesn't tell us about boundaries and rules for teenagers, like how, what curfew should you set, uh, how old should a child be before they get a cell phone, these sorts of things. It doesn't give us any of that, uh, but it gives us these deep principles that I think, uh, if applied, if, if we follow in, a, in wisdom, we'll be able to answer all of those other things or see like how trivial some of those other things might actually be. Uh, we don't have to, if we follow all the rules of the, you know, the sleep schedule, then we'll have perfect child. Uh, actually, if we follow these sorts of things, we might uh, not have perfect children, but point them uh, in the way towards uh, life. And so the first one that we want to look at is Proverbs 22, 6. We don't have a slide today, do we? No. So, so yeah. So if you want to, tr- yeah, phones. flip up your phone and whatnot, Proverbs uh, 22, verse 6, and I'll give you some time to check there and look at it. And, and while you do, uh, if, if you don't have children, a lot of times as we live in community, we, we wonder, what can we say to these people that have kids? Like what encouragement or challenge can we even give them? Uh, and I firmly believe that the stuff that we're sharing this morning is what you can and should be speaking into the lives of parents, or even if you're a parent yourself, what you can speak and share into the lives of other people, uh, because it's actually just really good news and encouragement for people. Uh, so Proverbs 22.6 says, uh, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Uh, this, this principle here is that, uh, that a child uh, needs to be, one, pointed in a direction. Uh, so, so children do not 
uh, just grow up knowing what they're supposed to be doing as a human being. Uh, it's one of the things that gets flipped upside down in our society sometimes, like that a three-year-old is in charge of a family, as if the three-year-old knows what, what a family should be doing. But actually, a child is dependent on knowing where to go. Uh, but it also has within it this, this uh, ideal uh, that a child uh, needs a parent who can uh, teach them the way, uh, the way towards God. Uh, that, that the way, uh, even as we think about it, we might be reminded of what Jesus says about himself, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that, that anyone who follows him gets abundant life. Whoever puts themselves on that way gets abundant life. And so before like teaching manners and all these things that are super important, the profound thing that we do, our role as parents, is actually to point people towards the way. Uh, this word train uh, is kind of an awkward word. It's actually what's used uh, often to describe what a mother does to teach their baby, their newborn baby, how to uh, eat from the mother's breast, how to do breastfeeding. Uh, I just know from like three rounds experiences that it's not like, oh, a baby comes out and just knows how to eat like Intuition. Intuition. They don't know. They actually have to be taught how to uh, go to their mother and actually get the nourishment to live. Uh, In the first days of a child's life, they actually lose all of this weight because they don't know how to eat. Also, you know, they're uh, getting rid of all these fluids that are inside their body. But uh, the picture here is actually that... Uh, in, that there's this difficult process of pointing a child, of nurturing them towards what will give them life. And what's interesting is historically, we don't do this much anymore, uh, but mothers would put honey on the lips and on the tongue of a child just to get them to begin sucking and desiring uh, the, the life, the milk of their mother. But now you can't give honey to a kid until they're one. Yeah, that's so not allowed anymore. The rules change. Yeah. <laughs> But that's, that's actually this beautiful picture of what a parent is supposed to be doing. That, that the training that we're doing is actually trying to bring them as close as we can to water so that they will drink from it. Uh, and this is honestly what's so wonderful about how God is a father to you and me. That, that, that throughout the scriptures, God comes to us and says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. That he wants to give us just this tiny taste of Jesus, knowing that if someone gets a taste of him, they'll want the whole thing. That, that anyone who comes and drinks of the water of God will not thirst anymore. They'll have complete satisfaction. And so that's all the background for this word, train. That parents would train up our children like that, with just this gentle application of truth. That we'd help them know and see that the Lord is good. It would help them taste and want more. Uh, and this is actually the best way to prepare them for adulthood. Uh, we can't think through all the scenarios that they might uh, embrace or, or all the challenges that they might face. We can't give them contingency plans. We also can't map out their passions and their desires and their vocations. But what we can do is lead them somewhere. And here's the, the profound reality is that even if you're not trying to train them up in the way they go towards Jesus, you're training them up towards something uh, or someone. 
Uh, the, a child can see what we hope in, what we believe in, what we desire, what we think brings the good life. And a child sees what we love and will follow those loves too. Uh, that, that if we believe that control is what makes a person happy, our children will grow up thinking control is what makes you happy. So we're all leading them somewhere and someplace. And so uh, even if you're not a parent, what, how you can encourage someone as they raise their children is actually asking them how they are doing desiring the way of Jesus, how they are doing pursuing that, how parenting actually impacts uh, their soul towards God. Recently, I read this definition of a parent as ambassadors for Christ, and I love that picture. Um, And the job of an ambassador is to represent, right? To speak on behalf of, to um, be the carrier of values and principles of a nation in a foreign land. If you've ever been outside of the United States, um, you will you would see these buildings with flags hanging outside, and you know that building belongs to this specific country. So, as parents, we're called to be ambassadors um, for Christ of Christ for our children. And we are not perfect, right? So we're raising imperfect beings as well, which is a great chaotic combination. Uh, But the same way that we need to remind our children that God loves them perfectly as ambassadors, we need that reminder as well. It's, It's, you know, if you are going to represent a country, which... That was like my mom's dream for my life. Um, and I was like, no, politics, no, thank you. But if you are, you are the face of that, of that country to, the foreign, to, to the, the foreign land where you are. So um, do we believe that God's grace saves us every day as parents um, when we make that mistake, when we yell our kid, at our kid again, when we lose our temper, when we get angry, um, do we believe that his grace can lavish our souls? And are we representing and, and, and portraying that to our children? Um, and as we, need, as we need Jesus, we guide our children to him. How will, how will my kids see that I need Jesus if, if I you know, put up this face of like, I've got this? Don't worry, guys. And to be honest, survival mode asks me to do that every day. Raising humans is no joke. Um, And sometimes I feel the need to have it all together. Otherwise, I will crumble. But I have found that in the moments where I crumble, my children see that I am a human just like they are. That mom cries and hurts and doesn't know what to do. And there's not enough Band-Aids in the world that can fix this boo-boo, right? So when we point them to Jesus, we are basically saying, I am like you, a child who needs direction. And I am trying to be an ambassador for for Jesus, and all I can do is point you to him. Um, You know, we've been here... A year. A year next week. So when we... I know, kind of crazy. And when we first moved... um, I mean, we would have these cry fests at the dinner table because we just, you know, we're sad to have left our dear people. Um, and as the year has gone by, our kids have 
adjusted um, to Los Angeles, but they still talk about how much they miss Oregon and our friends there. And, you know, as a parent, I just want to be like, I know, baby, don't cry. I want to fix all of your problems. But the truth is I can't. We can't just, you know, bring Oregon here or take our kids to Oregon like we live here now. And let's embrace that. So all we can do with them um, is, is to say, yes, this is really painful and this is really hard. Let's cry together. And I wish I could give you friends, but I can't. So let's pray and ask the Father to give us good friends. Hmm. Um, and so, I mean, we don't do that all the time. Don't get me wrong. Like, there are moments where we're like, I don't know what to do to make friends. Like, you need to be a nice person too. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's a dual thing. Um, but, but there is the practicality of it where you say, yeah, it takes time to make new friends. And you, if you want to pursue that, you need to be proactive with, with people around you. But also there's the reminder that God cares for them and God moved mm-hmm. all of our family here. And, and it's the same with, with any situation. I think oftentimes we think our responsibility is to make sure that our kids um, fit in this box, whatever it is that we've set the standards for them, when all we're trying to do, hopefully, is represent who God is to them. So um, every moment that we share God's grace um, to, with them, we also grow in our faith, right? Uh, it's, it's that little release of something that we don't have control of. Um, and hopefully that's the desires that our children will know and will see their need for Jesus, right? Because if, if, if we never say, well, you did this wrong or you need Jesus in this aspect of your life, how will they ever see they need Jesus? So that's something we try to do. I mean, this is not like a parenting um, workshop, but that was something I was thinking about. I was like, yeah, if we don't do that, mm-hmm. then how will they ever think that they needed to right and that we get to do that role as ambassadors yeah where we're actually get to portray uh what god is like too uh like we talked about in the morning we get to show god or show our children that god is a father uh some of the important things that we get to be ambassadors to is authority that we get to say oh like this is what it looks like to live under authority uh, not like so that they can be controlled one day, but that they would actually be ready to receive and follow Jesus as Lord. But if they're never able to see that authority can be good, that someone being in charge of your life, something we tell Nora all the time, uh, is that we are in charge, not you. Uh, I don't care if you've made a bunch of plans for our day. Uh, I get to decide. Uh, but at the same time, we get to decide uh, how to point them to God. Uh, the, the next passage we want to look at is Proverbs 3, uh, 11 and 12. And I'll give you a chance to flip over uh, to that passage as we begin to talk about this active uh, role of parenting, which is discipline. Uh, or I think we'll like to make the case that it means to shepherd our children. Uh, th- this passage, uh, Proverbs uh, three eleven says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. As a father, the son in whom he delights. Uh, Here, uh, it's actually not about parenting, but it's about uh, us. Yet again, being disciplined by God. Uh, One of the 
first things that we see as we approach that in the book of Proverbs, this idea of discipline, is that God, our Father, isn't asking us to do things that he's not doing to us. That, the, that God is actually disciplining us, or caring for our hearts, or pointing us in the way that we should actually go. And he says to us, don't be weary of his rebuke, or his confrontation, or his call to repentance, his call to change. Uh, the, the whole of the Bible makes it really clear that, that what leads people to be uh, changed or to seek repentance is actually God's kindness and his goodness is what leads us back to receiving him and him alone. Uh, one of the things that you can also think of is this phrase when he says, you know, do not despise the Lord's discipline. That in some cases, throughout the book of uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament, God's discipline actually looks like stopping people and interrupting their rebellion. You can think about Jonah, who's trying to go some other way, and then he stopped in his tracks uh, because God interrupts him with a storm and then a fish. It's all exciting, right? In other cases, we see that God allows people to wander for decades and even centuries, allowing them to consume themselves with rebellion. Other times, the children of God come to him and say, uh, we want a king. We want what everybody else has. Give us a good-looking dude that we can love. Uh, we're tired of you being king, right? We want what other people have. And to that, God says, sure, here you go. It's this remarkable reality that sometimes God even would send people to say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. You're not living how you're supposed to be. Some of his discipline comes to him and says, you're God's people, which reminds me of how I discipline our children sometimes. I come to them and say, you're a Watson. We don't do this. Uh, we don't yell at people as I'm yelling to people. <laughs> and so that is, is profoundly uh, true, that the, the Lord's discipline isn't this sort of equal equation that he does the same time all the time or to the same people in the same moments. Mm. But here's what really is impressive to me about our Lord. He reproves and rebukes the ones that he loves. As a father, the son in whom he delights. He rebukes and he disciplines and he shepherds those of us, all of us, because he delights in us. Because he loves us. Why is he interrupting my plans? Why is he allowing me to live this life so that I can see the rewards of my idols and then return to him? Because he delights in you. Because he loves you. Discipline, we see, is what God is actually doing to us. Uh, next, if we turn to Proverbs nineteen eighteen, uh, and I'll actually have to turn, so take time for everyone. Uh, we see it, it come even more clear into focus what this whole idea of discipline is. In Proverbs 19, 18, he's now speaking to us as parents. He says, discipline your son. Why? Because there is hope. Man, isn't that good news to every parent? Discipline your child. Care for them. Point them in the way they should go. Because there's hope. Then there's this. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. Even going back to imagining God as our, you know, chief discipliner. He disciplines us because there's hope. 
Because he has a good hope for you and for me, for his church, to be in all the glory, all the picture that we were created to be. He does it because there's hope. And he doesn't do it because he set his heart on putting us to death. That God the Father actually assumes death on our behalf. That, that, that it's not out of wrath that he comes to destroy us. But it's out of his hope for a humanity that he created to be united to him. That God comes not to put us to death, but to give us hope, a lasting hope that can only be done in Jesus. He takes the wrath that we deserve. The discipline is somehow removed and put onto him, and we are forgiven and put into life. But beneath that is this principle for us as parents. Do we discipline our children because there is hope, and we hope in what they will be, not just tomorrow, that they'll stop you know, nagging and begging and whining tomorrow, but that they would grow up to be the marvelous people that God created them to be? Or do we discipline our children because of rage? Because we want them to suffer, right? As I say that, I have dozens of images where that is true for me. Where I just want them to feel the pain that I feel not being able to uh, skim through Facebook on my own. You know, I want them to feel the pain that I feel when I have to wake up at 5 in the morning or 2 in the morning or 9 p.m., or whatever it might be. (laughs) This is profoundly, I keep saying that word, but it's true, a wisdom that we would discipline our children out of hope for them, not out of wrath for them. That we are not like the Shakespearean play, desiring a pound of flesh to make things right. Because as we've already decided, God has made us right by his blood and his flesh. So we don't come to our children desiring retribution for the pain that they've caused us. But we come to them with hope, disciplining them for that. I don't know if you have, you want to interrupt? No. Oh, sorry. I've got one more. Go for it. Is that okay? Yeah. Uh, Then if we turn uh, lastly on this discipline streak, Proverbs 13, uh, 24. In Proverbs 13, 24... It says this, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him or loves him early is diligent to discipline him. Whoever doesn't use the rod hates his son, despises his son, but he who loves him diligently, uh, loves him is diligent to discipline him. Now here, the, the concept of discipline is not actually like what we just discussed, of this picture of punishment or taking a toll from our children. But rather, this word, uh, sparing the rod, should actually remind us of the staff of a shepherd. Or if you think of Psalm 23, his rod and his staff comforts me. That the Lord is our shepherd and he leads us to green pastures and calm waters so that we would live. The rod... This word is describing that, a shepherd's staff. On one end of the shepherd's staff is a club, and the other end is a hook, uh, which I want to get and like put above our couch or something and be like, that's a rod. Remember the rod. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the rod. 
But what a shepherd would do with that rod, that was like his tool. A shepherd who had given their life to caring and stewarding for these sheep. A sheep, by the way, dumb animals, right? Like we, we can all agree with that. They just wander around, that they need someone to protect them. If there weren't shepherds, they would be extinct, right? <laughs> Same applies for parents and children. Like we are born completely needy and we're needy for a long, long time. But the shepherds given their lives to that, and they would use this rod to gently nudge the sheep towards the pastures that they needed to go to so that they could eat. Or they would use this club and this hook to lead them to water so that they could drink of it, sort of establishing boundaries in this roaming world. Or uh, they would use the hook and the staff to keep them from running in the wrong direction, where the shepherd could actually throw this rod towards a sheep to keep them from running off a cliff or running into the mouths of a predator, that they would use it to keep them from from all the dangerous places. Not always running around, nicking them back into line, allowing them to roam, but if they were going to truly harm themselves forever, they would throw it to keep them from going over that cliff. Or at other points, uh, if a predator was coming near, the shepherd would use the staff to actually beat down and fight the lions, the bears, the wolves. To fight against what would deeply harm the sheep. And this is actually the idea of discipline in Proverbs. Uh, We can all work out uh, how we do that. Just as God disciplines us differently in different times, we can have really good conversations, uh, but we can't just sort of give a blanket You know, this is how many times you should spank your children or things like that. But the deep uh, reality of it is that we are shepherds for our children. And that the rod is actually what we use to, to love and correct and rebuke and protect our children for harm. That that is what discipline is. That's why we would even say that the role then is to actually shepherd our children away from harm. And this is, as we've already discussed many times, what God himself does for us. Because he delights in us. Because he has hope for us. And this is what we do even as we follow Jesus and say, he is our good shepherd. We're actually signing up for his rod and his staff to be our comfort and to lead us into green pastures. But also to bonk us on the head when we want to go off of a cliff into death. And with that too, we are showing our children this need for authority, right? We need authority, so we look, we look at God as our authority. And hopefully we are saying to our children, there is an authority over your life. You are not the boss of your life. Um, you're not in charge. You're not in control. So authority is a good thing, right? I think we, we tend to be afraid of saying these things, but... If, if, we, um, if we think back of the moments when our parents, you know, let's erase all the moments where there were really crappy parents, but let's think of the moments when they were great parents, and we look, and we look at their authority and we say, okay, that was, that was good. Um, and teaching our kids about authority is a good thing. In other words, they're not in charge, even when they want to be in charge. Um, and um, hopefully we'll also point them towards grace. And I think that is something that's a really, it's a really hard line between authority and grace because 
we tend to think, you know, if you're not a, if you don't give them authority, you're giving them too much grace, or the other way around. But look at think of your life with the Father and how He He has authority over your life, yet He's also graceful. Right? Every morning there's new mercies. Every morning. He doesn't keep tab of of your sins from yesterday. So as you're dealing as we're dealing with our children in this body, we don't keep tabs on our children from yesterday. It's exhausting work. Okay? It is not easy. Like Brad was saying, like Truman hit him in the head <laughs> with the car, and he still talks about it. <laughs> so that's like a small example. <laughs> I should forgive him, you're saying. You should forgive yeah, him. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> not hold that against him. Right. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, in a playful way, that's a small example of what we can do with, with the children that are around us. We, we can also easily tag the, t- the children as, oh, this is who you are. Mm. And in our hearts, we are giving them that title. And that is not okay. I'm just going to say that is not okay. I have three, and I struggle to love them every day. I'm just going to be honest here. They're real cute on Sunday mornings, but you only see them for three hours. <laughs> okay? Hang out with them 24-7 and... Your heart's going to be a little in turmoil. Um, because they're human beings, right? Like, mm. think about your own heart. Um, so as, as we are figuring out how to love these little human beings, we can so easily look at how we treat the Father. You know, when my kids are yelling at me, and when they're trying to be the boss, and they're nagging at each other, and they're disobeying for the millionth time, and I have to repeat myself over and over, and I am sick of it. I can so easily look at my own life. I don't always do that, but I could. (laughs) Or if you don't have a lot of introspective moments, just open your Bible and count how many times God tells Israel, remember, remember. I am the God who took you out of your slavery. Remember, like how many times does God say that? And it's the same for us as we're dealing with, with the children around us. Um, so we don't need to keep tabs on our kids. And we can, we can give them new grace every new morning. It is not easy. Okay? It's not. Um, and, yeah, I, I was thinking about this concept of grace. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, Nora had a birthday party. <laughs> and A friend's birthday party. Well, a friend's party birthday party, to. yeah. A friend's birthday party that she had been talking about for eons. And I had it on my phone the right time, or so I thought. <laughs> and um, I, you know, we figured out how we're going to take her to this place because it was during nap time. Mm. So... I was, like, really excited. I was like, okay, Nora, let's go. Let's go to this party. And when we got there, it was at the, this gymnastics gym. So she was super pumped about it because she was going to be able to do gymnastics, whatever that is in her mind. <laughs> and when we got there, the lady at the front desk said, oh, yeah, they just finished at the gym, and they're going to go upstairs and sing happy birthday and cut the cake. And I was like, oh, okay, are they going to go back to the gym and play some more? And she was like, no. We started an hour ago, and I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Um, and 
Nora is um, a very passionate child. There's a lot of adjectives to that. Passionate is one of them, spirited, short fuse. They're all similar. Um, And I seriously thought she is going to lose it. And I was just like, okay, um, Nora, enjoy the birthday party. I'll come back, pick you up in 30 minutes. And I left knowing for a fact that she was having a meltdown. But I was like, I can't. I, if I take her home, she's going to have a meltdown. If I, I can't stay here, so whoever's dealing with her, I hope they're doing okay with a meltdown. <laughs> Which sounds awful as a parent, I know. Um, but Becky Wolf texted me a picture of her, and she was, like, really happy. And I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. Um, so then she came home. Brad picked her up, and she came home. And I, we're texting, and I'm like, can you please just, you know, like, prepare her for a moment of forgiveness? Because I'm really going to need it today. Um, and he talked to her. And when she came home, she, you know, we talked about it, and I asked for her forgiveness. It was, you know, huge failure in my mind, at least. I have my own standards, so that's like a whole nother sleuth. Um, and I really thought, okay, I, I need some alone time. It's been a crazy day. I just can't, you know, be with the kids anymore, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, okay, thanks for forgiving me, Nora. I'm going to go on a run. Hmm. And she goes, Mama, can I go with you? And I was like, oh. I don't know. Can you go with me? And my instinct was to say, no, I need, I need to be alone. But um, I feel like the Lord in that moment was nudging my heart to accept her love and her grace. Because for me, what I was trying to do was to punish myself, to say I failed as a parent. And I just need to be alone and not deal with my kids anymore. And she was like, but I really want to be with you. And I thought that was such a sweet picture of um, how, how God's so gracious to us, right? Like, she didn't need to be with me. She could be mad at me all day, in her, and she could feel like she had the right to. Um, but she still wanted to be around me. And for me, that was such a sweet reminder of God's grace. And coming from my child, whom I tell a million times a day, can you please put your clothes away? It's like a simple request, and like that doesn't compute. But she was she was wanting to be with me, and so as as we as we try to experience God's grace, that also can come sometimes through our kids. You know, let's not this just disregard them as these little people who don't know what's going on. Um, so for me, it was such a was such a comforting picture of of that. Um, I'll cherish that one because it doesn't happen often. So. <laughs> yeah, and I think. Who, uh, just as we wrap up, uh, one of the, the main uh, things that we're called to do uh, as parents is actually to pray for our children. Uh, but a lot of times it's asking God and listening to God, uh, not just, hey, God, make my child obey, make them content, make them happy, keep them from making silly decisions. But often the prayer is for them to have a transformation in their hearts but also that we would have a transformation in our hearts. A lot of times the struggles that we have to raise our children and the laws that we have in our heads of how things should go either comes from idolizing our parents that we had, saying, well, they did everything perfectly, so I should do everything perfectly so I can turn out well. Or often what we do is we imagine in our heads and we see all of the ways that they screwed up and we're still holding it onto them. Uh, we're, there's, there's not forgiveness, there's actually bitterness. And if they could just 
if, if I could just do it right and prove it to them, because I don't want to do what I did to my parents, or my parents did to me. Instead, what we do is we hold on to this thing, and it actually creates this law within our own souls that we're trying to live up to this standard, because the belief there is you have to parent well and do it perfectly, and then you are perfect. When really what we have to recognize in our own hearts is my parents are in need of grace and forgiveness, and I am going to be in need of grace and forgiveness. And the only way towards that is not just some mental shift, but actually looking to the cross, uh, looking to our chief shepherd. And so as we close, we actually want to take some time where we can all sort of sit silently and pray uh, to ourselves, asking God to enable us to love our children well, for sure, enabling us to speak into the families of others, uh, definitely, that we'd have the strength and the the ability to love for the long haul, but but more than anything, that we would be able to actually receive this morning that that Jesus is the good, good shepherd, that Psalm 23 is actually true for us. So after taking some time uh, quietly to pray, Miedel is going to actually read that psalm uh, in a version that we're trying to teach our kids. So, yeah, let's pray. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. He gives me rest in green pastures. He leads me to calm water. He gives me new strength. For the good of his name, he leads me on paths that are right. And even if I walk through a very dark valley... I will not be afraid because you are, you are with me. Your rod and your shepherd's staff comfort me. You prepare a meal for me in front of my enemies. You bless me greatly. You give me more than I can hold. Surely your goodness and love will be with me all my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Father, thank you that you are the good shepherd. Thank you that you give us what we need. And many times not what we want. Father, um... I ask that you will remind our hearts of our need for you as the one who is perfect, who loves us perfectly, who did not give us children just so that we can um, do something great in this world, that you didn't just leave us alone as you gave us these human beings to care for, but that you are with us. Thank you that your presence is constant. And I pray that you will um, change the heart of the hearts of our children, that you will um, call for them, that they will hear your voice, that they will um, look at your church, look at your followers, look at the people that uh, love you and say, who are they worshiping? And that they will want that for them. I pray that you will grab a hold of their hearts at an early age.
And I pray that you will give um, our body wisdom and love and grace and authority that comes from you to point them to you. I ask that you will uh, renew our strength um, as parents, that you will give us new mercies, and that you will give us um, new muscles each day to know what to do, to um, love the, the little babies you've, you've given us. Um, and I pray that you will, you will continue to do your work in our lives as we try to do these things. Thank you, Jesus, for, for who you are, that you care for us um, so much. Amen.